welcome to the Innovating Purpose podcast, where I'm striving to live intentionally and seeking clarity for new and young readers. Would you pray with me as we uh, go into the sermon today uh, and listen to the Lord? Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have had an opportunity already to worship you in song, to recognize that you are our greatest friend. You are the lover of our soul. You are our creator, and we worship you here today. I thank you for the good reminders as we sing And as we listen to the vision moment, to be reflective of how important it is that we are in this together, all different ages, united brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we can do this for your glory. I thank you for the words that we're going to listen to from Acts today. And I ask that you'd help us to discern well, myself included. We would hear the words. We would have intentionality in our listening. And that we would walk away changed and transformed. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. As we've heard the vision statement, which if you ever want to see the vision statements, they're at the back table. You can grab those and take those and pray with us through those. But as we heard today, this one's especially good and a great reminder for what what leads us into uh, Acts chapter 2 today. From the dawn of creation, God has been, uh, he has designed us, he has wired us for one thing, and that's relationship. We all love to be with others, for the most part, right? Living a solo life out in the middle of nowhere is not as appealing as living life alongside someone else or a group of others that are like-minded, that appreciate one another. But there's another aspect that God has been, uh, has put within us from the beginning, and it's what we're using currently, and that's communication. God uses communication, and we're going to hear this and see this today in a hopefully a new and a fresh way of how God wants to communicate with all people. We start off with our goo-goos and our gagas and our mama and our dada, and we evolve all the way to supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Right? We've moved all this whole gamut of communication. But there's this communication junction today that really encouraged my spirit as I studied this week. And it comes via the Holy Spirit. There's a communication that takes place that is beautiful. And we may think that this is one of those lesser things to, to focus on. 
But I think and I hope as you listen to the passage today, you will be encouraged. Now to give you some context, to give us a refresher, we are 10 days after the ascension of Christ. They've been waiting in the upper room. We're, We're 50 days since Passover has taken place. We're at this moment, this junction in history. Christ has gone to the heavenly realms, and as we read in Acts 1-4, they were told not to leave Jerusalem until the gift is given to them. The promised Holy Spirit was coming. And they're gathered in the upper room, and they are united in prayer, and it says all of the believers were there, and they were gathered The believers in Jesus were gathered. Now, I want to show a video, but I don't want you to think that this is how it actually happened. I think this is a decent take on what it could have looked like. And Hollywood only gets it so close. We can't actually get it there. But I hope as you listen and as you observe, you start to ponder afresh of how powerful the Holy Spirit's presence coming in could have been. Let's watch together. John, wake up. All of you. Mm. Wake. Come. What are we doing? We're praying. Now we can leave this place. Wake up, all of you. Let's read this story together, and hopefully this will encourage you as we read and and take Scripture from the New Living Translation. It says in chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At this time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, 
and yet we hear them speaking in their own native languages. I'm going to skip to the second part of verse 11. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Now, I know we're stopping really at a critical point here, and you want to know more, and you want to keep reading, and I I hope you have read this before, so you know what's going to happen next with Peter. But I'm going to save that for my next sermon. I want us to dig in and really really listen in to what God is trying to teach us here today. Imagine yourself waiting for 10 days, awaiting the Holy Spirit, united in prayer, united with other believers that all truly believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to the Father except through him. And now Jesus is gone. And he said to wait. We don't know how long they were to wait. And then to hear, if you've ever been in a windstorm, to hear the noise of a windstorm, it doesn't actually say that it was windy. I think there was some creative uh, interpretation in the video there. But the sound of a roaring windstorm filled the area filled their room. Can you imagine that noise filling this room? The Holy Spirit coming in a physical way that was a roaring noise. And everyone in the community starts saying to themselves, what is that? What could it be? we got to go to it. Whenever you hear a large noise in your house, does anybody else have a spouse like mine that you get a little nudge? Go check it out. Well, when a, when a noise happens, we go and we want to check it out. And that's what these people are doing. They're so curious. So they began to investigate. And they hear these, these regular men and women testifying and speaking in foreign languages that were not native to their tongue. They were not from the areas that they would have been able to know these dialects and these different languages. And yet these people were speaking with fluency. If you've ever heard someone who speaks English but they're trying it out for the first time, you know what I'm talking about. They struggle. It's hard to just make your your sentences not feel like they're just junctions where you're trying to get out little phrases little by little. These people are flowing in whole sentences, they're, they're communicating about Jesus. And they're talking about his love. And they're talking about his life. And they're testifying about the Lord. But they're saying it in all of these different dialects. So the reason for this, 50 days after Passover, is called the First Harvest Festival. The First Harvest Festival is a big gathering of all of these people to come and celebrate with seven days of worship of how the Lord has provided. It's to bring your first fruit, to be able to celebrate. Look how the Lord has provided for us. Our fruit has grown. Our vegetables have grown. Let us go and celebrate the Lord. So people from all these areas are gathered together, and it comes back to, don't forget it, communication. 
God wants to communicate with all of these people groups, and he's opening the door that now all of these peoples are gathered. And God's about to communicate with them. And it says that they were Jews from these different areas. But these are people from all of these different areas that were mesmerized, but also shocked to the point of excusing it as something like being drunk. It was so confusing and so alarming, it couldn't possibly be something of God. So this harvest festival opens the doors and it brings peoples in. And I love the aspect, the the different ways that communication is illustrated. Did you ever catch that it says that they were tongues of fire that come into the room? Tongues, what we communicate with. So God is coming in with a, a thing that resembled a tongue. Can you imagine with a limited vocabulary to try and describe the Holy Spirit entering the room that looked like fire, but it wasn't burning, that sounded like wind, but it wasn't windy, filling the room? You try to write that down. And then as the fire-like thing floated into the room, it began to separate and then hover over all of the different believers. You try to articulate that. It looked like tongues of fire. If you've ever watched a candle flicker and dance, it appears to be kind of like a tongue. The communication of God, and he is entering into his people, and he is specifically blessing their tongues so that they are able to communicate. What I have a hard time wrapping my mind around is I know that I only speak English. If I started speaking in another language... It's one thing to speak it. It's another thing entirely to know what you just said. So I think God also blessed their mind that they understood what they were saying. He bridged the gap so that they could communicate the good news without having to translate it in their mind. Their mind knew the voice that was coming out of the mouth, and they translated it back into an understandable dialect. There's all kinds of miracles taking place here. It is a wonderful, beautiful way, but it is God's way of bringing the good news to his people. And it is beautiful. And it's only defined by saying that God could have done this. Peter gets into that in his sermon, but I'm going to leave that to Peter for next week. When, I, when we try to wrap our minds around a few things, we have to go back in time. We have to go back to Exodus when God has spoken in a similar type setting. When you go to Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, it communicates to Moses that he needed to go up onto the mountain to receive the law, the, the, all of the requirements of the law. He had to spend time with God up on the, ma- the mountain, and he receives the Ten Commandments, as you can see. And what does it say? What does it communicate about God? How did God enter onto the mountain? It says he came in with a fire, what appeared to be a fire on the mountain, and it descended onto the mountain. And that was to communicate through one vessel, through the one man, to be able to communicate to his people. Very beautiful, 
But this is now, as we fast forward and we go into the New Testament, we get to Pentecost, we get to this wonderful, amazing, miraculous event that takes place. This is not God coming in fire to one individual to bring down the Ten Commandments, to share the commandments with the people. This is God coming in, getting into the voice boxes of his vessels, those who knew Jesus, those who knew him as Lord and Savior, and now he is able to communicate the good news through them they are the vehicle to be able to communicate the good news and now all people everywhere are represented in one gathering so that the explosion of the gospel can begin do you see how powerful this moment is we see that they were waiting and we see that Jesus even says in chapter 1 verse 8 which you've heard Over and over it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. My friends, this is the fulfillment of that moment that Jesus was talking about. This is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that God's word would go out to the nations, to all people groups. This is the explosion moment. God's power represented through these people to be able to communicate the good news. This is God's transformational, life-giving Holy Spirit through fire that is coming through them. And it is going out to all people. And do we recognize that those of us that know Christ as Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We are now called to be messengers for God. It is no lesser of a task than those that we are reading about here today. It is no less beautiful that the Holy Spirit is within you and that you get to communicate the good news of Christ to those that are around you. Now the Holy Spirit entering these disciples Entering them, and they are now messengers, the apostles. This is vitally important to the future of the New Testament. So much hinges on this moment. This is really the hinge point when God begins to usher in the church. This is why I called the series, We Are the Church. This is the hinge point where we are to enter into this and to believe it. We are to personalize this. We are to prioritize a relationship with God and his Holy Spirit. But I want to articulate it in another way because I think this will communicate a different aspect. They come full circle. But Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book Joy Unspeakable, describes uh, the difference between common Christian living and what happens when the Holy Spirit clothes a a person with his power. I want to read this to you. It is like when a child walking along holding his father's hand. All is well. The child is happy. He feels secure. His father loves him. He believes that his father loves him. But there is no unusual urge to talk about this or sing about it. It is true and it is pleasant. Then suddenly the father startles the child by reaching down and sweeping him up in his arms and hugging him tightly, kissing him on the forehead and whispering, I love you so much. And then holding the stunned child back so that he can look into his face and saying with all his heart, I am so glad you are mine. Then hugging him once more with an unspeakable warmth and affection. 
Then he puts the child down, and, the, and they continue their walk. <clears throat> a pleasant and happy walk with God is swept up into an unspeakable new level of joy and love and assurance and reality that leaves the Christian so utterly certain of the immediate reality of Jesus that he is <clears throat> overflowing in praise and more free and bold in witness than he ever imagined he could be. The child is simply stunned. He doesn't know whether to cry or to shout or to fall down or to run. He is so happy. The, the fuses of love are so overloaded that om, they are almost blown out. The subconscious doubts that he was thinking about at the time, but that pop up every now and then, are gone. And in their place is utter and indestructible assurance. So that you know that you know that you know that God is real and that Jesus lives and that you are loved and that to be saved is the greatest thing in the world. As you walk on down the street, you can scarcely contain yourself and you want to cry out, my father loves me, my father loves me. Oh, what a great father I have, what a father. What a father. This description of God's love for us, when represented as a father that truly loves the child, isn't this a beautiful picture of this embrace to be walking along with God and to, nothing seems to be wrong. I love that immediate first picture. But that swooping up of God, that filling up with love, those reminders, those words that we think people just assume that we mean. But God saying that he loves us, that he cares for us, this is the Holy Spirit's move into your life. When God takes up residency in your life, it is, as described in this story, you can scarcely contain it. It changes the way you worship. It changes your trust and your understanding of the Father. If you will start to take ownership and understand that this, this simple description in this book, Joy Unspeakable, is a reality that you can experience with Christ today, right now, it is joy unsurpassed. But you have to enter into that relationship. This love that we're talking about, this eternal love that the Holy Spirit provides us with this love that takes up residency within the temple or our bodies as we know Christ is not this love is not an ushy gushy feely love it's not that love that is described in so many country songs it's not the this love that is just a feeling it is love that fills your entire spirit and you can do nothing other than worship. This love that takes up residency defeats death within us. It defeats sin and the power of the enemy, the devil, within us. It releases us from our selfish desires and our selfish life. 
and it fills us. It communicates with us that we need to communicate the good news to this world. Now, there are two elements that I've talked about today, and I hope that you see them. God used communication to spread his good news to the whole world at a critical junction when it was just the right timing, just the right moment. God did it so that the explosion of the good news would be able to reach a vast amount of people. It was no longer just the Jews' Christianity. It was opened to the world, to you and I. And secondly, this powerful, loving embrace from the last story, it is available for you. How many of us need to feel the embrace of the Father, swooping us up in his arms, kissing us on the forehead, and telling us that he loves us? If you need to hear it, I wish I could speak in the voice of God, but for for my limitedness, I'm going to stay in Keith Reeser's body. And I want you to know, God loves you. And that's the understatement of the year. He loved you so much that he sent his son. He loved you so much that he left us the Holy Spirit. God loves you. If you will believe it, if you will invite the Holy Spirit in, if you will humbly submit yourself to God and ask for his embrace, I promise you, your worship of the Lord will change. Your communication with others will change.